Broadcasting from Ireland, featuring interviews with some of the biggest names in magic, welcome to the Deceive Reality Podcast with your hosts, David Peace and Steve Spade. And we're back. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Deceive Reality Podcast. My name is David Peace. Steve Spade is off gigging again this week, but I have a lovely guest joining me, Adam Hutton. Adam, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well. Yeah, appreciate the invitation. Absolutely no problem. It's great to have you on. So we always like to, to begin these podcasts with the age-old question of how did you get started in this magic world? And for people who aren't maybe familiar with, with this, your style, how did that develop over the years as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, it's quite a lengthy tale, but I'm sure we've got time. So, um, well, it goes back to when I was in secondary school, so quite a while ago now, over 20 years ago, I was actually um, I was a talented footballer. I used to have um, I used to play for Sheffield Wednesday youth teams uh, as a goalkeeper. So through school, that was always my identity. So I always presumed that that was going to be like every sort of boy wants to play football. So I thought that was what I was going to do, and I sort of got pretty close. But then when I didn't seal a professional contract, um, I had this void which was like sort of I'd lost my identity. And that was also giving me a little bit of kudos. Like people used to recognise me and go, oh, Adam, used to, Adam plays Sheffield Wednesday. So I lost that. So I was doing a sports course because I was still interested in sport. And I went into a local library and there was a book there by a, a chap called John Tremaine, uh, quite a well-known magician, Magic and Card Tricks. So I picked that up and I started, uh, rather than just, taking it away, learning something really quick and then going, oh, let me show you this. I give it the time it was due. So I put the time and effort into it. So when I did start to show people, people were like, how have you done that? that that's, that's unreal. And I thought, yeah, this for somebody who was looking for a replacement to uh, an identity which had been lost, I thought, yeah, this is good. I want to keep it. And then as far as the, 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 the work that I do now, um, I did spend most of my early career as a like a restaurant magician, working in yeah, bars and going around tables. However, then in my early twenties, I started uh, I started developing some health issues. So I started like lose, losing sensation in my legs and my hands, and uh, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at uh, the age of twenty three. So because um, I, rather than waiting for that to come along and to take magic away from me, I immediately started putting things in place which were less physical because obviously magic people sort of associate it with like dexterous and sleight of hand and things. So I just totally absorbed myself in the mind side of things and then started developing effects which were less physical and more mind orientated. And then from that, a chance encounter I, uh, I met a lady who used to work for a government-funded scheme called Aim Higher, which was to get um, children who wouldn't necessarily go to university to try and get them entertained the thought of. So I worked for one of the reasons I'm probably not m massively known in the magic community is because I've only, it's only in the last few years that I've been trying to push into it because I spent the most a good decade of my career working in the education sector. I used to travel around colleges, schools, like universities, etc., doing like lectures and presentations of magic with uh, numbers and also motivational talks. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting, like listening to the, the, the journey you've been on throughout your career and like the, the, how the diagnosis really like made you go into that certain area and that sort of stuff which is really interesting that how like the mind stuff it does help with the like you don't need to be as dexterous with mentalism or like mathematical tricks and that sort of stuff which can be it is a bit of a benefit even for uh people with many conditions out there that uh mentalism is a way to go and it's accessible to everybody really yeah definitely yeah and like i said uh, magic's it's more than something I do. I've been in, I've performed for 25 years now, and it's 
it's like ingrained in me. It's not, I'm not a hobbyist. I wouldn't even say I'm a professional. I wouldn't say I, I, I say it's part of who I am. You know what I mean? It, um, yeah. It's my very fibre. It's like every every waking moment I think about magic. I lie in bed, is, uh, just thinking about it constantly, constantly writing, constantly creating ideas. And especially with like the uh, the disability side of things is when something takes from you, like like my disability took away my football, you know, from a quite an early age. So then I started playing tennis because I was still able. And then it took that away. And then I used to cycle, but then it took that away. So it keeps taking and taking. But like I said before, it's not having this. I refuse, refuse to let it. And it also, I feel a little bit like underestimated. Like I always say, if I was a superhero, I think I'd be Charles Xavier, that sort of thing, like that X-Men guy in a wheelchair that people like underestimate. Like if you, like I can sit there and then I can't do lots of the things I used to do, but I know in my head, I'm like, if you gave me a minute, I could absolutely fry your brain. And it gives me like um, a real sense of worth. Yeah. Absolutely, I can see that. I, I think like a, a real life Charles Xavier could be a very interesting like magical character. <laughs> like get the big uh, comic book accurate costume and everything. You could be uh, a <laughs> hated all the comic conventions around the world. It'll be uh, something. Uh, it's, I, I have that. I have that look because I'm follically challenged. So I definitely have the uh, Charles Xavier <laughs> look going as well with my mentalism because it's. Uh, it's uh, a lot of mentalists seem to lose their hair after a while. I feel <laughs> it's because our brains are probably okay. too big that the hair falls out. I think it happens. It happens <laughs> like mega mind. mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when, when it's interesting how you say like people underestimate you when you go into like the performance side of things because I think that's a really interesting thing where it's especially <clears throat> with people with disabilities that people can underestimate them in so many ways and be able to use magic. And that sort of stuff to like completely blow them away because it is that thing of i was on the david blaine masterclass thing that he's doing at the moment and he talks about having people with really low expectations to begin with so then when you do something amazing it like really can blow them away so having that like juxtaposition of their expectation to begin with and what you do at the end i'd say is gets you really good reactions yeah yeah definitely yeah it's um in your weakness, you are strong, isn't it, really? Yeah. And, um, yeah, even not just in performance, just in, like, everyday life, like, sort of, if I got on the bus, I'd get on and I'd be, like, limping away and I'm sort of, like, uh, and people... I've, um, I'm really, a, like, an ambassador of positive thinking and everything. I really, um, I think too many times people just constantly look for the bad and if you look for the bad that's all you find and you've missed all the good that's happened whereas i'm the opposite i just like try and see that sometimes frustratingly so for my wife because i'm sort of like that uh, person who's always trying to be optimistic but and i try and put that across into my performances as well because when i perform because i also i've I've got a background in teaching. I present as almost not a bit of a life coach, really. I um, I think I, I sort of present as like almost like savantism as well. I think that's my yeah. take, which um, I think Darren Brown meets Rain Man is a <laughs> is a good sort of place of my, my work. I did a. Uh, I did a show last week. I did it to raise some money for a pal that needs an operation. He's got to go abroad for it. But it was, yeah, it was like, just see, people come up and say they're sort of inspired at the end of it. And because uh, I'm talking about, sometimes I'm using trickery. Sometimes I'm still using, sometimes I use generally what I'm claiming to do with like memory techniques and things like that. But other times I use the, uh, the shenanigans of a magician alongside it and it can sort of take it into orbit but when I'm sort of like instantly memorizing a shuffle packet of cards I'm sort of using memory techniques but there is a trickery in it as well 
but I'm using it as in an attitude of, you know, we've all got uh, unfulfilled potential. And the same as in, I wrote um, one of my effects, which is a Star Trek, uh, which is like a star sign revelation. So it, it has the idea that of poo-pooing star signs. So, but then in that, you learn somebody's star sign. But in that, I also, the person I'm addressing, I really give a, a reading about how they have lots of gifts and talents and abilities, but they're a little bit scared to use them for the fear of being laughed at or not being taken seriously, which is a shame. And you should concentrate on your gifts because you are, and just, just to empower people. I think we perform. It's a bit like sharing a really good joke with somebody when you've sort of like had a really good belly laugh and then you've you've got this bond. And it's a bit like that with magic, that you, you're you the amazer and they're the amazing, if that's a, a term. So then you've got this, uh, this link. So then you're in a position when they're willing to take what you say seriously, which is like um, quite a privileged place to be, which is, again, that comes from all the work that I used to do in schools, working alongside... Uh, children that if they didn't like you they would tell you they didn't like you and they were all, like the hardest audience mm. in the world but I would then end it with like an like a, a message of I've amazed them I've really sort of blown the minds and then at the end I've, I can then be in a position when I can say to them guys what is it you want to do because you live in a privileged society where you get to choose what you want to do with your life and that's not the same everywhere in the world. So there's certain places where you get told what you're going to do or you just have to survive. But you've got all these opportunities to do. Are you going to, are you going to use them? You know, are you, because there isn't another person like you. You are, if you were a toy on a shelf, you would be called a special edition. You would be a one-off because there isn't another person like you. And that's the sort of message I bring in my sort of performances. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because magic can be trivial or it can be profound. And I like that, like the going through the profound way of like having meaning and using it as metaphor and like making people believe in themselves a bit more. Because I think it's great sometimes when you make that, it's great being able to like memorize that character yourself and show that you can do this thing instantly but i think it's great also being able to use magic and trickery to give somebody else an ability that they didn't know they had or even like make it look like they don't have an ability that you know they have but they don't know that they have it and then you give them the ability that they already had that they didn't know they had that you made it look like they didn't have if you make sense where you can yeah, like no. uh, all those body magic things that we don't know we can do until someone shows us that we can do them but i think hiding it first and then giving it to them so that like people walk away with this new ability that they didn't have before the show can be really powerful. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think often as performers, we can be really guilty of making it all about us. And it's too much like, uh, <clears throat> how great are we? You know, we can do these things and marvel at what I can do. And sometimes we don't leave room for the audience and using those opportunities which is why i think you mentioned david blaine but is why i think that david blaine when he first it was 97 wasn't it his first special came out mm. it was yeah. it made room for the audience wasn't it It wasn't really about he was doing like a lot of we could argue overused the double lift a lot but it wasn't about that it was like sort of an effect and it was about the audience and how they were perceiving it and it was like almost turning the camera around for a moment and it was about yeah. people. He even said in the beginning of his one of his, I think it was his first special, that it was about people. There's nothing here but people and me. Yeah. Yeah, I found it interesting. I, I always think of like his specials, kind of like a game show, where he's like the host of like Wheel of Fortune or one of these shows, and he's just okay. the host of the show. But the we don't watch the show for the host. We watch the for the experience the audience, the participants are having on the show of like. The, the the them winning and losing and all that sort of stuff and I think in ma his magic specials were that we were like 
empathizing with the contestants on his TV show, even though they were just spectators. Like they were the people we empathized with rather than just sitting in wonder of this amazing person, which we all did as well. Being like, how can he float? How can he float? Oh, <laughs> Back in the day. I know. And then when you found out how it was done. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, but yeah, I remember seeing it the first time. And I remember thinking, yeah, his, his arms are going up when he floats and then coming down. I just bought it. I bought yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, I, 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 as I was maybe 10 <clears throat> the first time I saw that special. And I spent a long time in a dark room trying to see if I could make myself levitate. Because <laughs> I was like, okay. I, was I was convinced he could do it. And then I remember yeah. I was showing it to someone years later. And I was like, oh, I'll do the levitation. And I did it kind of as a joke. I did the Balducci. And they freaked yeah, yeah. out. So suddenly I needed to sit down. They had to go get me water. I like played it up into this huge thing, this thing that started off as a yeah. joke. And I'm now like, oh my God, I can't move, help. I'm, I'm in bits. But yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. The simplest stuff still can fright people so well. Well, and also that Balducci levitation has really been beneficial for so many reasons for me going forward. Like when I sort of, create a an effect and when you think will that really fool somebody and then think I, I always refer back and think yeah but you can make somebody think that you're defying the laws of gravity by going on one toe it's like sort yeah. of it's although yeah it's um it's how it's put across I guess I don't know it's like making somebody believe in something so impossible that they could like emulating the skill that only Superman's had in the past and doing it in such a primitive way, but they're willing to invest into it. I think it's like, um, could then sort of overlap that with um, like people's just want to believe in something, don't they? Because like everyone's searching and sort of like wants to. They want to think that there is something more than this nine till five, get up, go to work, get your cost, your cost of coffee on the way, come home, watch a box set, go to bed, do it again the next day. Everybody wants this, wants to think and believe that there is something more. So when somebody, I think it's like a ripe, it's a fertile ground. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really, because I, I think star signs are massive at the moment for that sort of stuff. I really find that, like, especially the younger people, like the Gen Z types, are obsessed with star signs and that sort of thing. That is really, they're really coming back into popularity where, like, star sign divinations can become more powerful. Even I like the whole thing of, like, oh, star signs don't mean anything, but you are definitely a Pisces and just like carry on. It really, like, hits strong. But yeah, that people are wanting to believe and that sort of stuff. Have you ever found something where you created a trick? And you thought it was really good and then you went to perform it for someone and they were just like that's obvious you just did this <laughs> or something where it just wasn't fooling at all in the end um yeah well, yeah or or that i've i do an effect with um it's instead of a peak i've got a system to learn a three-digit number without a peak and it's a simple game involving coins and uh, it uses if if, if it's like if you use a three-digit number if it's um and i get that i get them to add two digits at a time and after adding if it's an odd number i say you get even number i get a coin and we play it three times three coins so as long as they haven't used three uh, a three-digit number that say like three even numbers or three odd numbers, so as long as it's a good combination of both odd and even numbers, it's always that they have two and you have one. That's always going to be the case. It's just a bit of um, an overspill of me sitting there for, for hours and messing about with numbers. But in doing that, I also get them to tell me the totals when they're adding these two numbers together. And then at the end of it all, I sort of predicted that they'd have two coins and I'd have one. And then at the end of it all, I say, scumple up the piece of paper with the number on and concentrate on that for me. 
Um, I'm getting a sense that you're thinking of the number four, five, eight, aren't you? And it is. And um, the person, the first time I performed it, the person said, "Oh, I, I worked that one out. I worked that one out." But then looking back now, I realised that it didn't work out the number part. When I sort of, they just knew why the coins worked out, and I dismissed it for a little bit. And it, and I sort of like thought, yeah, it's too transparent. And it wasn't until actually two weeks ago that I sort of dug it out again, and I showed it to the local magic society that I attend, and so people who are like knowledgeable, and it blew them away. And it and I realised that it did have legs. So sometimes you have to revisit things, and it's just just something that slightly needs twisting or slightly needs altering just to make it a little bit more believable or less transparent or like I said a minute ago it was just that I'd I'd presumed that they knew I just presumed that yeah they've known everything they know exactly where how the coins and and they also know exactly how I know their number and they didn't it's it's yeah yeah, yeah. just how people take things I guess I do think as well, where you're looking at it with people, sometimes it can be your own guilt can foreshadow like how the trick works as well at times where like the bit that you feel nervous doing, like it all goes like massively onto it and things. I also not when I was beginning to get peaks and that sort of stuff, I'd be so guilty getting the peak that everybody knew that I was about to peak something in 10 seconds because I'd start like panicking and sweating and like, like oh my yeah. God, I have to do it. But then once you get more performance experience, and get used to doing it you just go oh yeah and you don't even realize you've gotten the peak sometimes it's like oh yeah, oh, yeah i know what it is it's great yeah definitely yeah you feel sort of dirty don't you but your whole demeanor changes yeah. as well and it becomes up it becomes transparent because you were acting in a certain way and now you've suddenly acted in a different way so people can read right through that and they can see that you're up to something they might even not know what you're up to but they sort of it just heightens suspicion at that moment in time absolutely yeah because I'm, I'm i've got pretty bad eyesight as well um but i don't wear glasses like full time so it's, well, sometimes when i'm like peeking a marked carrot or something it's real like yeah yeah okay definitely. i'm like <laughs> mr magoo <laughs> i'm like mr magoo <laughs> yeah it's uh at least you have the glasses i always worried that i don't wear my glasses when i'm performing because i'm so worried that someone will see the peak and the reflection of the glasses and just like ruin the entire okay. performance of like hey i can see my drawing in your glasses so i'm like oh god no I'll take, like take them off and just work, work my peak set specifically yeah definitely i i find interesting something you said it's something you talked about earlier about like magic being in you and it's just like it's a part of you because i feel the same way as well it's, it's what, those things that it's like an addiction more than anything it's this thing that no matter what you do you just can't help it and I, I know people who like play the guitar and stuff and they pick up the guitar and they'll be strumming it while doing other things or that sort of stuff but i don't really know of anything else that can really it's like it's who you are when you are like a magician and you're into magic at like the level we'd be at, is that like, it's kind of all encompassing. Like I find my fashion is dictated by magic. I was looking at suit yeah. jackets the other day and my wife was like, oh, that's lovely. And I was like, there's only one inside pocket. Can't use it. Got a, I need three inside pockets, at least. Can't use it two inside pockets. That doesn't work. And it's it dictates everything you do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's my... um. By uh, every waking moment, really. Well, no, that's wrong because I've got a wife and a daughter, so they sort of. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it is an obsession. The the magic bug that sort of yeah. we get at the beginning of magic never subsided with me. I do see people who get that at the beginning and then they sort of lose that love. No, no, it's been. I knew it fit my character when I started doing it. It's funny as well because um, when I started performing magic, I could never think of a stage. I thought I had to think of a stage name for myself or something. But everybody used to just call because my name's Adam, everyone used to call me uh, Ads. So when I started doing the number things, that became really applicable. 
like magic ads. In fact, I, I even once considered changing my second name to Up, then I'd beat them up. So. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's good. I feel really, I feel really privileged that I've found it, and uh, I also I don't like the term tricks. I've got a little bit of a problem with it. That sort of when people say, "Oh, it's uh, tricks," I often the way that I learn magic or write magic and the way I sort of dedicate myself to it, I often think like some of the things I perform, I know I've wrote systems that have taken me literally 10 years to get to the point that they are now, like sort of revisiting them and then coming back and going, no, it's not right, revisiting it, come back out. And I think tricks in my head, it's a little bit like I don't in any way uh, compare myself to a concert pianist, so don't get me wrong, but I sometimes think if a concert pianist played a beautiful piece of music, it would be really quite rude to say, oh, that was a mean tune. It was like, um, <laughs> and I sort of have that idea with my magic that it's almost, it almost takes it down to something I don't believe it is. Like it could almost be dismissed as something you would find in a Christmas cracker or you would find in a, a Marvin's magic set and it's it's more than that mm. in my opinion mm. yeah it is just yeah. magic just like just stop there don't say magic trick just say magic it's what it is yeah there's no such thing as real magic per se so this is as close as we can get to so let's just call it what it is yeah definitely and because I have a Christian faith as well, so over the years I've had like a, really wrestled with that whole concept of am I misleading people or do I, uh, how do I, do I have to say a disclaimer and things like that? But I don't ever, oh, I think Darren says a, a really lovely comment and he says that I don't want I'm not trying to, he basically says he's not trying to put it across as real, but he also doesn't want them to think it's not real. And he just wants it that for that moment, say for that 90 minutes that they're watching his show, he wants people to absolutely believe that it's real and be invested into it. Just like we do when we watch a film or a piece of theatre, that we, it's that suspension of disbelief. And then afterwards, you can go away and you can start chatting with people and going, oh, nah, that nah, can't be, can it? No, no, it's, it's not. It's not. It, mu it must be sort of like a, he's pulling the wool over our eyes. But for that moment when the lights are down, and when people are watching, they 100% are there with you and they're believing that you're uh, verbally manipulating them or you're using these techniques to memorise this massive, large information. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's really interesting with that because I like the term kayfabe, which comes from professional wrestling, where it's like what happens okay. during the show is kayfabe. And it used to be that kayfabe was never broken so that like the good wrestlers could never travel in the car with the bad wrestlers because that would break kayfabe. But it, as things have evolved, like it's broken down that people know that like the Undertaker isn't an actual zombie. Do you know, people <laughs> get out of this stuff that like you get you it, but once the show starts and you're in that ring and these two people are going at it or like maybe people are sending each other things on Twitter and now people are like, oh, they're using their actual <clears throat> Twitter handles with their real names and they're insulting each other. Maybe they actually don't like each other and it's got a bit of the like suspension of disbelief for that moment and getting the people to buy in. Because I have a show called, uh, the show I perform is called Am I Psychic? And quite early on the show, I say, no. <laughs> Uh, but could you tell the difference if I was, if I said I was? So it's like that whole show where I kind of like reproduce psychic stuff. But what I found interesting is like, oh, these psychics, they're not using psychic. I'm going to use body language and psychology. And then really I'm using a window envelope and magnets. <laughs> it's like, I'm, like, I'm yeah. lying about what I'm doing and while complaining about people lying about what they're doing, which is like it's such an interesting like uh, concept as you're performing. Like, I'll tell you the truth. They don't use... They're not using this. They're using this 
but they're actually not using that either. They're using this other thing that I'm really using in the background. <laughs> it's like uh, in inception of, of all this sort of stuff. You you've mentioned some of the stuff that you've uh, started releasing and you, uh, you've got a book and that sort of stuff. For people who'd be interested in looking that up, what sort of type of effects would be in there? Would it be a lot of the math space stuff that you'd find in there um, of your releases? Um, yeah, well, but not to... I don't like the idea of like when people think of math tricks, it's very like a, a tweed jacket. It's like sort of, a, it's not, I don't want it to be seen as it's much more than that. So, well, I've, I've released three books. The first one's called Out of Mind and is With You in Mind and then All in the Mind. And there's a fourth one pretty much written, but I'm present. I've just released some like PDFs and things on my Penguin page and stuff like that. I'd, the first stuff that I did was the, there's, it starts off, I th I'll try and think. So the first effect in the first book is a, a verbal card force. So a way of forcing a playing card verbally, and it genuinely is verbal as well. Um, obviously things like that, they can't be 100%, but it's pretty close. Um, and other things as well, like uh, lost properties and other verbal force. When I, I just literally say to somebody, doing an effect oh when I put my wallet to one side and go I better put that over there because I'm terrible for losing it but do you know when you've lost something and you uh, can't get into that part of your mind to you've got to almost unlock the thoughts don't you to remember where you've put them uh what was the item and you're hoping that the keys keys is the often sort of more with younger people it's phone but I'm literally trying to push across the keys because I say when you've lost something and you can't get in to that part of your mind you've got to almost unlock the thoughts to remember where you've put them and I also say um um what well, I said them rather than it which is plural as well so keys could be seen as plural I also use something similar there's some rock paper scissors keys in there as well so when I'm there's trickery involved so but and then Star Trek, which is like uh, my star sign revelation. I really like birthday revelations. I've mm. I've wrote so many birthday revelations because I don't see, I can't think of a more personal thing to somebody rather than the the day than the day that they came into existence when they sort of arrived on the planet. So I've wrote a lot of them, and I've yeah. also got a peak. Yeah got a peak calculator in there which if I'd have wrote it about 20 years ago I'd have made a fortune but because everybody just uses mobile phone now mm. it just looks completely weird to just get a calculator out so but there's also things that I've I love the uh are you familiar with like the 1089 that is like a yeah yeah it's sort of like a reversal sort of thing with a three-digit number so I used to I've always loved that so, but I always wanted a way to get back to the original number. So I did, that's the thing that took me 10 years to get back to. So there's a, a system in there, which you can use alongside, <clears throat> rather than just uh, doing the whole reversal thing, I would just say to somebody, I would open my wallet and I would just say, how much have I got in there? Uh, 10 pounds, 10.50, 10.70, 10.80, 10.85, 87. I've got ten pounds eighty nine. So on your phone, can you or your calculator? Could you press uh, into the number ten pounds eighty nine? So ten dot eight nine. So I've just given the number one oh eight nine, if you know what I mean. But in like a, a guise of that, I'm counting the change. But then they just count the change in their wallet, and then they times my one oh eight nine by their change in their wallet, and then with the least amount of information, like I don't have to ask for all of the number. I can just ask for a small section of that and then I'm able to reveal exactly uh, the amount of money that they've got in their wallet. And I also, that took me 10 years to write, but then I actually wrote a reversal of that using 9801 in 20 minutes. <laughs> That's sort of like, because 1089 backwards is 9801, but you can do things with that as well. Um, so these things like that in the other books, I uh, I do a lot of work over the phone. I like to specialise in over the telephone magic or even radio magic. 
So I do a lot of things which are suitable for an audio-based audience. So that's probably the the third book is a lot of things. And also a roulette prediction. Like uh, I've got an abundance of stuff. I, can't, I don't even know how much magic I've written. Um, and I think as well, because it's such a niche, I think it would be a bit like Van Gogh, that people just mm -hmm. won't appreciate it till I'm long gone. And then they'll go, do you know what? Adam actually wrote some pretty good stuff. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> recent, I've got some... Um, Recently, I've been brought, writing things which probably are a bit more commercial, like a, a an A can called Sum It Up, and a cat which uh, I published in Genie magazine. So um, yeah, so that was in the first lockdown, so which has given me time to write all sorts of things. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I find like the radio and telephones are really interesting because it's always that thing where someone's rings you up for a booking or something and they're like oh can you do something for me now and it's over the phone and you want it to be strong because a lot of telephone magic that's been out there for years is weaker than the stuff you do in real life or like when you're on the radio promoting a show you want something that's going to be really powerful so it's definitely cool to see books coming out with that style of magic because it's uh, I, I think it's an area that definitely has a lot of lot to grow with and I think the Zoom style performances has helped as well with the creativity when we all couldn't leave our house and we had to do everything over the phone or over video. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we were sort of reliant on it, weren't we? Because I, I felt uh, I felt like I'd had a head start on everybody because I've been doing it for years and everybody was like clambering to, to get things which were suitable for like the screen but played right in my hands. Sometimes as well, I don't, there's a, an effect I wrote in my second book called Your Days Are Numbered, which is quite mathematical. So again, it's a birthday reveal, but I'm like not entirely sure where it came from. Like I, it, from the aliens or somewhere, I don't, I don't really know, you know what I mean? I was like sort of, mm. it just seemed to download itself into my head. And as well, and sometimes things just come from the bizarre, but with my MS, I, I'm like I get quite a lot of uh, infections. So there was a time when I uh, had an infection and my temperature was really high, and I'd wrote the I'd wrote ninety percent of this effect, but it wasn't correct. The last bit wasn't correct. But then there was a time my temperature was so high that I was being sick. So I was lying in bed and I'm like sort of being sick into like a, a bag and burning up and a bit delirious but in that state the answer came to me and I sort of I was I, I was I had a sick bag in one hand and I was writing my hand I was like I down. and then sort of like yeah, yeah it's uh, not the most pleasant of stories but it's the truth <laughs> it's good to have because I, I, I've had similar, similar not as bad as that but like when stuff downloads into your head ready i've at two o'clock in the morning had an entire chair test just fall into my head and how to do it all perfectly wow. and everything just works and uh, a bank night as well uh, only a couple of weeks ago i had like a way to do a bank night uh just fall into my head fully formed like it had just been stewing away in the back of my head for so long without even even realizing i was thinking yeah. about a bank night and then it's like oh i could just do that oh there we go i got it and it's just like <laughs> do you keep it a notebook next to your bed do you I, like I use the notebook next to your bed. I, I the notes app on my phone is just where I go into and oh, I just okay. quickly type it in there because it's uh I just have loads of them. I actually it sucks then though when you change your phone because I've got like so many trick ideas on my old phone that I need to like dig out and like transcribe them because yeah it's a uh, I, I I tend to be more uh on my phone to keep them so that I always have it with me. So I can just look okay. at the whole time, that, that, that sort of way. And I have um, a few doodling apps on my phone as well, so I can do sketches and that sort of stuff. But sometimes it is a pen and paper for, like, drawing stuff out, I think. And uh, it's, the, the worst is when you're at night and you, you get something, and you're like, will that work? But it's got, like, choreography to it, where you're like, oh, I have to walk. And it's like you have to get up and walk around the room to be like, that would work. I, I, I yeah. feel like that would work. It's, uh, it's very interesting. I just try to, like, play stuff in the air. So very, I'm much a, a visual person when I'm thinking of stuff. So I, I feel like sometimes okay. I'm like a, the Queen's Gambit. 
Bartlett style where she was playing chess in her mind on the roof. I like doing chair tests in my mind on the roof. I'm just like, oh, if you go there and then that, yeah, that would work. I, I think I can get it. And I was like, quickly went in. Very good. Do you tend to, yeah, write, what would your notes? Do you tend to write it out like fully? Yeah. Do you write like, the notes like fully um, or do you like just having keywords as you're going through it? Yeah, just, um, no. I, I tend to, I'm looking at it now to sort of like that sort of thing, like sort of, so this is, uh, where am I going that way? Oh, Probably yeah, it's, it's reversed. <laughs> Oh, is it? Sorry, yeah. So, no, it's not in full form, but I have to write enough so I don't want to omit things and then be reliant that I will read yeah. it and that will take me instantly to what I wanted to um, remember and think, oh, yeah, once I've remembered that, all the rest will come in. I can't rely on that. Um, so I do tend to scribble down as much as I can. Maybe not in full... No, I think I do write in sentences, but just in yeah. scrawl. So... So, yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, I am. I would say I'm a, rather than being a magic creator from the point of view of like props and gimmicks, I would say I'm a writer. I am a, well, I'm an author, but sort of, a, I enjoy writing rather than, I've made a you know, couple of gimmicks and stuff, but I do enjoy it's, uh, I find it entertaining. I also find, yeah. It sounds so geeky and sort of weird. And I um, would find it a night's entertainment to sit there and work on the system, to get a, a droplet of an idea in my mind and to spend two hours with some nice music on and just sitting there writing numbers out going, no, it didn't work there, tweaking it, writing it again. Sometimes there's been times when my wife has come home and it's just been like a, a stack of paper with all these numbers on, and she's just like, what is that? It's like, um, there's a film called The Knowing. I don't know if I've ever seen it. It's got Nicolas yeah. Cage in. And, yeah. it, <clears throat> and it's that girl that just writes all these numbers down, which is like pointing to the apocalypse. It must look a bit like that when she comes home and there's all these numbers. I'm scribbling away. I know, but that rather than just sitting watching a, a box set, I'm sort of trying to wear consciously move away from technology like if you were i've got an old nokia phone that i've had for over 10 years i uh i don't i don't watch much television at all i like radio more than i've seen this now i appreciate that i must sound uh, a bit strange but i don't mind that i quite like that um yeah. strangeness yeah. Yeah, I think it because like for me, some things I like is Sudoku. Like Sudoku is what I do a lot of time to pass the time, or like puzzles, puzzle games on my phone, or like the real games that I like, and that sort of stuff. And even for me, I was working on a a walk around style chair test that I was working on, and it had maths in it, and I was working it out. And again, I was like writing numbers and sequences, and like, oh, if I do this, I have to do that, and then if I do that, I have to do this, and then it's like all this sort of stuff of like working it out. And then uh, yeah, I actually saw, I was working on it really well. Yeah. And then I saw Adam Wilbur has something coming out at some point that was better than anything I could think of. So I stopped working on it. <laughs> so I was like, I, I, once I saw Adam Wilbur's version of what I wanted, I was like, yep, that works better. I'll leave it. But it might be something I'll come back to and explore because it was, it technically worked, but it was just inconvenient. <laughs> it, it was rough around the yeah. edges type situation. But yeah, it's interesting how that, that uh when you do get into that sort of like rain man style frenzy of just like i need to get this on paper it's in my head but i need to get it on paper and then go like yeah. does this work and write out all the numbers and different sequences and going yes that that is right it, it's like a, or yeah, or it's definitely. not and you start over again but when it does it when you've like realized that that you've got something and you've cracked it it's it's like um, you could quite easily break out the bubbly, you know what I mean? It's like so, and it's like um, it's almost like um, you've created something. You've like sort of brought something into existence. I know it was there beforehand. Or you've just like discovered it, but you're like, um, 
I've done that. It's like, it's just, I'm not musical. I can sing a little bit, but I don't play an instrument. But I get the same thrill out of what I would imagine a musician would feel when they've sort of created a piece of music. I wrote a song. It's from, uh, well, it's my work. It's my, uh, my babies, if you know what I mean. I've birthed them. I've brought them into existence. Hmm. It's amazing when you get a reaction like that, like a really strong reaction for something that you've created. It's just like an incredible feeling. Yeah. Where it's like you had this thought that just came to you. And it's, it can feel a bit like with the guilt of like, I had this thought that was so devious. Nobody else would think it fools everybody who watches it, which is like quite a weird uh, sort yeah. of like a me- mental thing. But it is something that's like, when you create something that really blows people away and like has a bit of a message to it and just like gives people happiness and joy, it's like there's nothing better than that. Yeah. And I, I find it strange what people will give you credit for. It almost goes back to what we were talking about earlier on, but the, um, people wanting to believe. I remember performing a, a Zoom um, show for some people and there was a lady there I think it was in America but I was doing her a birthday reveal on her and I said I knew it was within two dates so I said so I I usually sort of fish by saying a star sign like I say oh no it was her son she was using because what the date which was later than the 10th like the day pattern to be later than the 10th so it was her son's yeah. birthday that she was using. And I said, your son's not a Scorpio, is he? And I knew that if she said no, it was the other date. Whereas if she said yes, I knew which exactly which date it was. But she said no, but my other one is. And she, afterwards, she relayed that. Well, at the end of the evening, she said, I have no idea how you knew one of my son's um date of birth or sorry just like the day in the month and the other son's star sign like she was willing to I, I didn't she was willing to give me credit for that for sort of knowing the star sign even though I was just using it as an example and she just yeah because it was to yeah. do with her son she had yeah. another son and he was the Scorpio so yeah but I think with mentalism as well I often I think I'm quite good friends with Mark Oberon, and who's a really beautiful thinker. He just sort of. Well, I was talking about mentalism and how mentalism and mental magic, and I think my almost how it differs is that mentalism is quite a an alive thing. It, like it's breathing, it's moving, and the. The outcome isn't set. Often you have outs and things like that, or you're you're receiving uh, the information, or receiving the feedback, and then moving in different avenues and things like. Whereas, like a mental magic is almost that it's a, like a, a magic effect in that you know that this is going to help you. This is going to start. Someone's going to do this, and this is going to be the conclusion. Whereas mentalism isn't, there's often times when you, it's new every time. Like, uh, for example, a multi-out packet um, in my, I, I, well, the Hullabaloo deck, I've, which I've written, which is based on a, another 52-out packet by R.W. Hull. But you don't know what card's going to be named, so every performance, it's different. So somebody might say the Nine of Diamonds on this one, and you're like, oh, great, that hasn't been named in a while. And I know that that's a really strong one. So you're you're almost a spectator as well. You're not you're sort of viewing it at the same time. And there's lots of other examples, but yeah, that's uh, I think where mentalism and mental magic differs. Yeah, definitely. I, I think even if you know the set outcome, that space in the middle where you can do your cold reading or mix in, and it's amazing what you get credit for with your cold reading as well. Of they're like you say, oh, I get the sense that you were born in the summer. And they're like, yes, I was July 15th. How did you know I was born July 15th? And you're like, I didn't. <laughs> I said summer. Yeah, I was yeah. like, yes. But <laughs> it's like, it's amazing. But people really like go for it. Because that's always when I find 
people talk to me like, oh, you don't believe in psychics, but I went to see this person and she told me this, this and this. How would you explain that? And I was like, wasn't there? You probably told them yourself or but I don't say that. And I go, but like without me being there myself, I can't really say. But it's uh, it, it's that sort of stuff that you see when you're performing, that people are giving you information, which you repeat back to them and they react as if they didn't just tell it to you five minutes ago. It's uh, it's a weird yeah. way our, our brains work. Yeah, just echoing it back, which is like a, a psychic's technique, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's very good. Like, oh, you were, and, and I think one of the, the big ones as well is uh, acting like you didn't hear or speaking over them. So, like, if, if you go, uh, I'm getting the name John, and they go, that's my bro. Oh, yeah, you're getting that. John is definitely something you know that they were going to say brother, but you didn't let them finish it. So later on, you go. Yeah. And John's your brother, right? And they're like, oh, my God. How does it? It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> by being rude and interrupting you. That's, it, it, yeah. it really works. I remember um, being in, <clears throat> I was in like a local bar. Um, I was meeting my friend, uh, a lad called Joel Dickinson. He's quite, uh, he's a magician as well. I don't know if you've heard of Joel. Um, he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, I've known Joel. Joel since he was 15 and I was like sort of late teens, we used to sort of, we were sitting at the back of the local magic society, sort of like giggling at the sort of performances we were watching. Um, but I remember I was meeting him in a bar, but Joel often can be uh, a little bit fashionably late. So I uh, I was at the bar and it was like a, a dog leg bar. So there was like an L round. And on the other side, I could hear this uh, lady talking to her friends, and she was saying about how uh, her horse had uh, a problem with its hoof, or it got like a, a splinter into its hoof or something like that. And then later on that night, probably about two hours later on, like Joelle had arrived and was sat sitting there having a bit of sort of jam session, really. And this uh, lady came over and she saw Joelle, and Joelle had obviously performed for her before. So she said, oh, oh, it's Joel. Joel, oh, would you perform some magic for me? And uh, Joel, night off, he didn't really want to. So he said, oh, no, no, he will, sort of like, and asked me if I would. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I will. And I showed something. And it didn't go down too great. It was all right, but it didn't get the sort of, uh, the, the reaction I hoped for. So I just looked at this lady and I just said, I get a sense that you keep some sort of four-legged animals, don't you? Do, you? do you keep horses? And then she went, yeah. And I was like, one of them had a problem with its hoof recently, hasn't she? And, and all I did was just quoted exactly what I'd heard her say two hours later on the other side of the bar. And she like, she seemed like quite a rational person. But in that moment, she just looked at me and just went, are you the real thing? Are you the real psychic? <laughs> and all I, all I've done. If she'd have thought about it, she'd have thought, "Well, I was actually talking about it on the other side of the bar, like two hours before." But yeah, she just. I felt a bit not, and I just a bit naughty because I just allowed her to sort of think what she wanted. I didn't like go. Well, I heard you two hours ago. I just thought, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um... yeah. <clears throat> Definitely, is that thing where you get the guilt? Because one of the times I felt really guilt on stage, I was doing a. At the end of my Am I Psychic show, I talk to the dead in a way using, okay. I use a switch. I use a switch box, so I talk to nobody. <laughs> so it was like, I talk to people I know. But I, I get a spectator to do it as well, um, so like they can read the mind of somebody else or hear a, a ghost's voice in their head type situation. But as I was doing it, I was looking at this person who who's holding a billet that I wrote, and I'm just reading the information back to them. But... I just felt dirty. I just felt absolutely disgusting yeah. doing it. And I, I, I kind of used that afterwards in the performance of being like, that's, I, I actually said on stage, that's one of the most disgusting things I've ever had to do. Um, and that's how I don't understand how people do it on stage all the time. So as I, I could use the emotion, but I remember doing it. I was just like, this feels icky. It's like, yeah. it just feels like I'm taking advantage, even though it was fake information that I was revealing, it still had that feeling. I couldn't imagine doing it with real people's like information the way some yeah. of the mediums do it. It's absolutely mad. Yeah, it's a, it's a fine line, isn't it? 
there's a fine line. Right. I was, when you were saying that, I've heard everybody calls it billet, and I'm not sure if that's I, I, it, it might well be, but I is it not beer because that's French for ticket, B I double L E T is beer, yeah. and it's French and it means ticket, which would make sense. I don't know, we all call it billets and stuff, but I, I. I think yeah. it's beer, I think, but I'm not, not going to start yeah. a movement to sort yeah. of get everyone to call it that. It might be the origin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, can't, we can't settle on equivoke, equivocate, or just... Yeah. <laughs> if we can't settle equivoke, yeah. equivocate, we're screwed. Because yeah. it, it is the thing you go, equivoke, equivocal, magician's choice. Anyway, carrying yeah. on. Yeah, I, I think just magician's choice is the safer bet. <laughs> that's yeah, situation. definitely. <laughs> So we have a segment on the show called The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, which is all about okay. a funny performance story that made its performance started off well and maybe went downhill to hilarious consequences for us, maybe not for yourself. But you have a funny performance okay. story that comes to mind for you. Um, well, I thought about this beforehand. So I've got what, the, the good, I was just going to say is I'll end with the bad, if that's okay. So I'm going yeah, to go with the ugly and then the bad. So the good story is <clears throat> I had the privilege to go to Uganda in 2009 and I worked in some schools and some orphanages and I was uh, I had there's this some photos. My wife took, she did a really good job because actually I was performing. I wasn't doing any mentalism or anything like that because it was such a language barrier. I just did things like um, like the acrobatic matchbox or I do like the silver balls effect, which is one of the first effects I learned from that John Tremaine book that I said at the beginning, when you take three pieces of tinfoil, put one in your eye, one in your ear and one at the back of your head and they all come out your mouth. And I did just things like that for about 20 minutes. And my wife took these pictures of like these or like these they were in like a the Watoto orphanage. So they'd like been taken off the streets. So they were like sort of these and the eyes on these kids, like the photos that she took of them. There's a, the video is on my website of it. And it was just a privilege. It was just like sort of they, you could just say they were absolutely lost in wonder and amazement. But like an innocence about it as well, an unjaded innocence because they weren't like sort of uh, the MTV generation. They were just kids that had been born on the streets, um, sort of, and been taken out of it, and they were just watching this magic, and they were just, yeah. But what smiles as well. So without going too much, that's my good. Yeah, <clears throat> my bad. It's got to be. I um, I auditioned for Britain's Got Talent on their second series in 2008, which is a bit of a, a lot of my work. I really need, and it was a little bit when magic was seen quite taboo and sort of like at the beginning, Simon yeah, sort of came across yeah. really disliking it. And um, I don't know if you've ever done it yourself, but it was I don't know what it's like now, but in 2008, it was very hostile. Like, you're coming out and you get booed for saying your name and stuff like that. It's like before you've said anything, there's people strapping for you to go. And I just remember, uh, I, I need a chance, you know what I mean? I've got to wear, uh, and I wasn't going to get a chance. I wasn't get a chance. Like, I don't come out in a puff of gulp, like smoke and sort of like with dancing girls. I come out and I want to. And as soon as I said, yeah, I do mathematical illusions, it was just like, <clears throat> sort of, uh, so, but I, I learned a lot about myself in that as well, because I never, I never took the bait, if you know what I mean. Like I stayed true to myself, like anything that was said to me, I was just like, well, that's your opinion. And I, uh, I appreciate that. And yeah, so that's my bad. And it's a, uh, but then the was it the ugly or the weird, which is a strange story. Um, I was doing a a show in a school, and I was using the 
called The Locked Room Mystery, which is in Cal Fulves' book, um, Self-Working Number Magic. And it's just like a, just a simple thing. Well, it's not, I only really perform my effects now, but this was a one that I used to use. And it's a, a box knots and crosses board. I sort of tweaked it a bit so the whole class could play it once. At once. Box knots and crosses board. And that's numbered one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I get them to use a coin as a, like a marker, and that represents them. And they can move it up, down, left, or right. And then you're telling them to cross out certain rooms. Like, and I say, um, if they're in that room, they're out of the game. Whereas if they're, I'm trying to guide them to safety. So as I do it, I was going down the next room to go is room number number three. And if they're if they're in that room, they're out of the game. But it should be because they can't diag can't move diagonally. But mathematically, they should all be end up in safety. But these are stragglers, and they all get so people do get sort of uh, blown to bits hypothetically mm. in the game. Um, but they all get the proper into it as well because they're like, oh, I've just moved out of that. I've just moved out of that room, and it's like sort of. And then it was on the penultimate one, the penultimate time that I was going to cross out a room, and I just said, went. And the next room to go is room. And just as I pursed my lips to make this explosion sound, I couldn't have timed it any better. This massive clap of thunder just went. Ooh. like right above the school as if it was like in the sky directly above us and like these kids just are like stunned and they all just look at each other as if to say oh my word I think he controls the weather as well <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant and you take credit for us <laughs> you always take credit for us <laughs> absolutely yeah definitely <laughs> The shaman that I am. Yeah, that's so good. Oh, you'd love that. You'd love like a clear day. And just as you're about to do something, you put up your hand and like clouds come in. And you're like, yep. And snap your cards on top of the deck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> something just like something so mundane. But like that, that's Definitely. super powerful. You can see. Yeah. yeah. I love, well, I love things like that. Because when you... Sorry, I cut in. No, no, carry on. When you've been performing for like, like I've been performing for 25 years, so the stories that occur that you can't explain, that are weird, like that. I remember there was another time and I, is a, I'd done a gig just like in the, in the local town and then I stopped at my uh, friend's house just for a cup of tea on the way home. So it wasn't long because I had all my magic stuff with me, till he said, oh, go on, show us a, show us a trick, Abs. So I, sh I did this card effect, but when I, I pulled out this, my, I had like a few packages of cards in my sort of case. So as I pulled my cards out, <clears throat> one card must have like fallen out, like the six of diamonds. We'll say it was the six of diamonds. I can't remember what card it was. It must have fell out and it fell down by like, the, plant, the plant in the corner. And then... I performed some effects for him. And then later on, his wife uh, returned home. And so it wasn't long before she was like, I'll oh, go on, show us something. And I opened my case again. I removed, didn't know it was a different pack. It was just another pack. So I picked up that pack, ribboned them out, and she took a card out. And it was a six of diamonds. It was exactly the card that had fallen on the floor. But no, that's not the weird thing. The weird thing is, as she took that card out, her son, her two-year-old son, saw this card on the other side of the room, walked over, picked this card up, and brought it over to his mum. Just as she was pushing it back in the deck, her son was stood on her shoulder, holding this card, and sort of like, and handed her the exact card. Now, every time I see him to this day, even though this was about 15 years ago, they're always like... How did you do that trick when Dylan brought the card over? I've no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I, I remember I, the day after my wedding, I did an Andy card on any number one with my dad as a joke, and it just it just hit. He said yeah. the four of clubs. He said twenty something, and it was there. 
I should have stayed calm and was like, yeah, I lost my shit. I was like, what? Oh. No way. <laughs> I was like, uh, I couldn't keep it in. I was too excited. But it was absolutely, it is those moments that make it worth it. Worth it's well. So we've we've crossed over yeah. the hour now. So for people who want to um, reach out to you, get in touch, or pick, maybe pick up some of your products, where's the best place for them to go and find mo out more about um, you and the stuff you offer? My my website, if that's okay. Which yeah. am I allowed to give, give that? My website yeah, yeah, is I'll, magic. I'll put it in the description. Sorry. All right, yeah. My website is magic ads, which is magic alpha delta zulu uk. And my books are on there and my products and things like that. And also it's an interactive zone on there with a couple of things and also some of the real pieces that I do. So yeah, that's the best place. Oh, there's stuff on Penguin as well. But yeah, it's all linked to my website. So that is the best Perfect. place to go. Yeah, I'll make sure I put that in the description of this as well. So people can just go down there and get it and in the audio version as well. So I, I think that's really good. And if you've enjoyed this, please subscribe, hit the like button, all the Facebook stuff that or YouTube stuff that you meant to do. Uh, that, that'll really help us. Follow us on the Save Reality Ireland on Instagram and Facebook and all the other places as well. Uh, Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been really good and really insightful. Thank and uh, thanks for sharing all the stories and, and everything. So uh, we definitely have to have you on again another time when Steve's available as well for part two to <laughs> carry on and, and really get through Yeah, it'd be a pleasure. Absolutely. So thanks yeah, so much, pleasure. everyone. And uh, we'll see everyone again next week for another interview and more other videos. So make sure you keep it locked to the channel and we'll see.